Max RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello, and welcome to Season 25, Episode 9 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Kimmy. And this is Tappy. Then Tappy will put his microphone on. (laughs) And now it's on. (laughs) In this episode of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, uh, we're going to discuss a GMing Tips article I wrote in 1998, Mm. 20 years ago, and see how it holds up compared to what we think today. 21 years ago. (laughs) Oh, yeah, 21 yeah. years ago. Oh, right. He can drink. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Len from Miami chimes in on science fiction versus fantasy, which we talked about a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. And Eric from New Jersey writes in about gaming and existing IP. I, do we do that email once before? I don't know. I'll have to, once we start reading we'll find, it. We'll yeah. find out. All right. But first, if you'd like to email us, and you should email us because yeah. we're getting low, very low on emails, you email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's Come on, happy- slackers. Come on, slackers. HappyJacksRPG <laughs> at gmail.com. Come on, jackers. Jackers, um, there you go. Uh, and we also are on all of the social medias. We're on uh, the Twitter and the Instagram and the Facebag and the MeWe. HappyJacksRPG, all one word. HappyJacksRPG, all one word. And we have a forum, HappyJacksForum.com. That's mm-hmm. HappyJacksForum.com. If you'd like to watch the show live, you can do so on Friday nights at 7.12 p.m. Pacific time at happyjacks.org slash live. <laughs> and that's that. Yeah. So I so but happyjacks.org has been around as a web as a I've owned Gaming the domain resource. I've owned the domain mm-hmm. since the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. Uh and in fact since you, can, you guys wrote the song? <laughs> yeah. It, it was that I, I got happy I wanted to get happyjacks.com, but it was taken because mm. by a bar or something. Mm. And uh Weird. I know. There's a, I've had people send me several pictures of Happy Jack's Tavern, Happy Jack's Pub, etc. Yeah. All across country. Yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a pancake house we've got a picture of once. Happy Jack's Flapjacks or something like that. It was amazing. I was That's the one I really wanted to go Happy to. Happy Flapjacks? Something. I don't know. That sounds wrong. <laughs> Happy Jack's Flaps. Oh, no. <laughs> but, but once upon a time... Sorry, <laughs> I had to say something that I shouldn't have, and I did it. <laughs> yeah, woo! Um, Impulse control. But at one point in the '90s, and and actually through the much of the aughts, HappyJacks.org was Happy Jacks GURPS resources, and I bought a book for HTML3 mm-hmm. and sat down and learned how to make a web page and built a web page using frames. <laughs> no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't frames. I used tables. I used tables. I don't know what that is. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> oh. and, and it had a, there was a bunch of stuff on there. And many of those articles still exist. You go to archive.org and you look it up and look it up in the 90s-ish and you will find various articles. I wrote like a, a freeform magic system for GURPS that I put up there. Um, I wrote a, an article about orcs. Um, there was, uh, at one point, there was uh, information about a, a setting called the Ale Kings. Which was mm. a, about like society collapses. It's a, like a post-apocalyptic fantasy society, but the people who rise to become the monarchs over the society are the people who know how to brew beer. Mm. I thought you were going to do something like the Gotapom, the Earl King. Yeah, I was going like, to say no. that's right. <laughs> I'm suddenly king. picturing like this Ale King hunter. I'm like, oh, no, these are fat guys with aprons. <laughs> my father, my father. <laughs> no, these are these are guys with like you know. Uh, 
uh, beakers and <laughs> test tubes of yeast and things like that. And, and it was like the, the secret. That was the big secret: is these people were the only people that knew how to how to brew beer, mm. and the only people that they would teach would be would be the people who would succeed them when they died. Mm. So, and like their the, the, mo- the most prized possession is their thermometers. Because you don't have a good thermometer, you're not going to make good beer. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you're not going to get the mash right. Mm-hmm. So anyway, one of the articles on there I wrote, and this article was from 1998, and I know it's from 1998 because I said in the preview or the introduction to this article that I started gaming in 1978, and now it's 20 years later, and I want to write an article about what I've learned about GMing. Mm-hmm. So I was born in 1978. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so that means you were 20 when I wrote this article. <laughs> And you were probably yeah. not legally allowed to drink. No. So, so I'm going to I'm going to go through six tips. I'm going to go through and read them. And what I kind of want to do is see how this this is sort of a, more of an experiment. How this advice holds up today? Because certainly the hobby has changed. I've changed as a GM since then. Certainly. Yes. Uh, and this is like right uh, right in the first couple of years of my gaming hiatus. So I wasn't really gaming much mm-hmm. then, but I'd gamed a lot previously. So, um, n- the tip number one: always be prepared. Now, this is for GURPS because this was this was a GURPS page, this is a GURPS mm-hmm. fan page, right? Before your GURPS session begins, have your adventure ready. Always know what's going to happen after you have all sat down and finished with the small talk. If your players have things they want to do from the beginning, let them. But keep your game moving. Uh, very often. I have been caught by surprise when there's a knock on the door. We're playing today, I say. Oops. Well, if you have a couple of adventure seeds in reserve, that's the time to bring them out. Uh, when I have a couple, of, when I have a creative itch, it tends to last for a while. So I write a few adventure seeds, just a couple of paragraphs to jog my memory and get things started. If the players solve an adventure sooner than I expect, I have another adventure ready to begin right away. An unprepared GM is death to a gaming session. Oh. Always be prepared. Mm. Should, we, should I read them all or do we do um, one at a time? Let's, let's do one at a time. time. Okay, all right. <laughs> because I'll just forget what I was going to say. Yeah, we'll like, just... When you get back, you're like, mm, right. Um, I mean, this is a, a very different way than I run games nowadays. Mm-hmm. Right? Where, Me too. Yeah. Because right? <laughs> you do world building. Yeah. And then there's shit to... There's always shit to do because you have all these groups that are doing things or stuff is happening like the world is untenable to just sit around and do nothing mm-hmm. right. so they're they're going to do stuff we also have players who make characters that have like uh, internal reasons to do something like they have they actually have desires like I want to go do this thing right mm-hmm. as opposed to sit around and wait for something to happen right like I don't think that happens so much at least in, in yeah. our groups anymore very, very much so. Today, you have more agenda-driven players than you had back then. At least in my experience, mm-hmm. right? You, you would people would immediately it, as soon as the world is described, they would say, "Oh, that's something we should take care of." Mm-hmm. They just come up with that right away on their own, right? Um, but yeah, like the the idea of adventure seeds and to have solved an adventure is a very different way of running games than I th- than I run. Nowadays, but I think like a lot of us run games nowadays. Right. Yeah, you can kind of see like the like the roots of that in there, though. You're like, oh, when you're on the fly and you're having like this is like how, kind of how you start. You're like, there's some ideas you'll have, and maybe you'll type something out a little bit ahead of time, and you can like put it in there. So there's a little bit of like the 
origin of Stu the Improv GM. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, but not, I mean, not beat for beat, write it out. But, I don't know. It seems kind of interesting. I mean, I definitely will abandon, like, meta arch arcs today. And then I probably, I was a lot less, I was a lot more reluctant to do that then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I've done that a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that a lot of the stuff that's happening in the games now like the major plot points that's happening especially in the Traveler game I didn't think of when I was <laughs> yeah you didn't expect me to start a cult I don't know how you R- right. really see then that's, oh, that's <laughs> one thing I love about GM yeah. <laughs> is when the players do all these things and you get to wrap it in it completely changes mm-hmm. yeah um, as opposed to like keep your game moving yeah, right, uh, yeah oh yeah well, totally different attitude the thing here uh-huh. keep your yours in capital it is in capital yes your game it is like in your mind in 1998 it is the GM's game yep it's interesting mm-hmm. There's more of that later. Yeah, I mean, there, there is also. I, I also want to say though, like if players have things they want to do, let them. Let them. Yeah. That becomes like so much more of how to run a game. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's still there. It's just you know. Right. Now, when you just for a little bit of context, when you're writing this, you said that you had, you'd just come off your gaming hiatus. You weren't uh, no, really. No, I, I was like a couple years into it. Okay, so you yeah. had. Okay, got it. I misheard. That you, gaming hiatus lasted probably 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, okay. Number two, have the right attitude. For the players, a measure of a successful gaming session is easy to, to identify. Did I have fun? Did we accomplish the task we set out to do? Great, a success. The GM, GMs, on the other hand, have to have a different attitude. The G- here, what, oh, look at man. this, right? The GM is God, divine rule maker, grand antagonist. But more importantly, the GM is the entertainer. You are there to provide the players with a good, challenging, and fun game session. Always remember this. Yes, you are the chief antagonist, but don't lose sight of what you truly are, a partner in fun. If you find yourself resenting the players for beating your unbeatable foe, solving your unsolvable riddle, you need to step back and take a real real reality check. Your purpose as a GM is not to, quote, beat, unquote, the players at the game you're playing. That's way too easy. You make the rule... It is. No, I know. It's funny. (laughs) You make the rules. Instead, strive to confound the players. Challenge their problem-solving skills. Stretch their their role-playing skills by putting their characters in, in new, unfamiliar situations. Make the players want to solve your adventure. If they are going to succeed, let them. After all, they deserve it. Only in role-playing games can you explore the possibilities of worlds and people that will only exist in your mind. It is a wonderful, nearly mystic endeavor. Let your players enjoy the richness of the world and situations you have created. I see a glimmer of the stew we know now. I hate, I hate the stew. Yeah. We've told this stew so many times that they are a jamming nightmare. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the gist of it, I think, is, is still holds true. Yeah. Parts but of it. there's also that idea of like, you are solely the entertainer. <laughs> if they have fun, it is because of you. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you are God. Right. Oh, like, yeah. Mm. Uh, and divine rulemaker. And divine rulemaker. <laughs> divine. And grand antagonist. <laughs> oh, Stu. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but I think the rest of it sort of redeems. Yeah, the, <laughs> like we, we've talked a lot about like how it's not your job to beat the players, and I think I think you're that's way too easy. Like especially when you're coming at it from the point of view of the GM is God, you can literally make anything happen. 
course it's too easy to beat people when you're God. It's like, you can make anything happen. That's ridiculous. Yeah, like, oh, you had a heart attack. Well, can I roll it? No, you can't. No, you can't. You can't. <laughs> oh, man, you... Woo! This okay. is rough. Yeah. Make a fort save at minus 60. Yeah. <laughs> the chat wants to know if this uh, this article is still up somewhere. Uh, it, mm, I don't know. It might... I Just don't know. It's a, I believe I got this from archive.org. Okay. I, if you go to archive.org and search Happy Jacks in the late 90s, early aughts, you'll, I, I, you'll, find, you'll probably find this page. And some and, other probably amazing. And, yeah, some pretty amazing shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah that, that, that guy sucked. All right. Uh, <laughs> oh, this one... I still stand by. Yeah, no, yeah, and I like. Sorry, I, before the, we go on to the last part, um, I, I do also like the you know put them in unfamiliar situations, I, make the players want to solve your adventure. I think you've, I think we've definitely have kind of moved away from that too. Design an adventure the the characters would want to solve is yeah. how I would put it today. Yeah, <laughs> well, and also just kind of as you go, like create a story together that everybody's interested in. Well, yeah, I mean, like. I have, in The Autumn People, I'm not going to say because spoilers, but <laughs> a problem that the characters can solve a number of different ways. Mm-hmm. And there are ones that are, that some characters like more than others, but they have, I mean, I, I think they're going down one certain path right now. Mm-hmm. But it's like, uh, you know, that, that whole thing of don't come up with... That's or, the next one. That's the next one. But, um, oh, like, like... Challenge them, etc. It's like, yeah. I mean, here's boy. This is a big problem. Oh, and it's like, yeah. oh, can we can we fix that? Like one of the questions, like immediately was like, can we just fix that? It's like, mm, is there a control can, Z to spell? Can you? Do you want to figure that out? Like, cool. We and that can be the rest of the session, right? Or the, the rest of the, the game is trying to figure <laughs> that shit out. <laughs> All right. Uh, when designing problems or puzzles, don't determine the solution. When I create GURPS adventures, I come up with the situations and the problems, but I usually give little or no thought to the solutions to those problems. I do this for two reasons. Firstly, I don't want a preconceived notion as to how the game must go. If I have a solution in mind, I may subconsciously lead the players toward that conclusion. I want my players to, to have free reign in my worlds. I don't want them to feel like they're being led. Secondly, if I don't have any solutions in mind, whatever they come up with will probably be a surprise. I love it when my players surprise me. In fact, I encourage them to keep their plan secret until the time of execution. Such an arrangement keeps me on my toes and makes me a bit better GM. I, I agree. Yeah, I got one right. Um, <laughs> um, like one and are, a half. I've had, I've had situations, though, where I have, I've had a player like talking on, hey... You know, when, like, the final confrontation happens, um, I would like to sacrifice myself. And, and I'm like, mm, I can't promise you that, because if I know that's going to happen, that's kind of a bummer for me. Mm-hmm. Right. But, like, if I try to set up this situation where you can do that, everybody else already, like... They don't have free reign. They can't determine what is going to happen, or they can't. They don't. They they've lost that ability to like try something new, etc. Mm-hmm. Because I am now setting it straight for you're going to sacrifice yourself to save the party, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you can, cool. But you also have a randomizing mechanic. Yeah, yeah. That may or may not cooperate as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, like I try to like kind of keep it out of my mind, which is great because I just forget things immediately. Right. Um, 
because I don't want to un- like the same thing. It's like unconsciously like push it towards yeah. that, as opposed to letting the players do their thing and me just uh, interacting with what they do. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't want to impose a plan upon them. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Keep notes. This is number four. Mm-hmm. As as the players move through my game, visiting shops, meeting people, they often ask for the name of a person, place, or business. As Shopping. you make these up, right? It's the best. It's game. always it's always been there. <laughs> um, as you make these up, jot down the name and a brief description. That way, if they end up in the same area, things remain consistent. Yeah, I mean, I I, I wish I could remember to do this. Even right. better, have, have a player who's yeah. really good at taking notes. <laughs> yeah, we have several of those. I, have, I, I give I give a player extra XP for taking notes. There, there you go. go. Yeah, Fujin yeah, Samantha Man. Yeah, we love you guys. <laughs> uh, number five, don't let combat bog you down. Here, here. Yeah. Uh, well, I should say, don't let combat bog you down unless you want it to. Mm-hmm. Uh, my games are always heavy on role playing and character interaction, not combat. Mm-hmm. If you dig combat, have at it. But if you are looking for a more cerebral game, a game that doesn't emphasize combat, don't let the combat slow you down. If you don't know a particular rule, don't look it up. Guess. Make up something. Keep the game moving. The only caveat is that you should make sure your players know you're going to run this type of game. Yes. Some players are rules lawyers, and they spend a lot of time studying rules and take pride in their knowledge of them. These sorts of players may be taken aback at the jam who makes up rules on the fly. Yeah, I agree with all that. The only thing is with some of the rules, you need to make sure you know the rules that will impact the player's abilities that they've spent points on or whatever. Right. So those ones, you you don't want to play fast and loose with stuff that is about their abilities that they've spent time and they've spent points on. And they specifically built a character that can do this this one one thing, thing, and now you've changed the rules for Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, like, the the rules are, like, essentially an agreement Mm -hmm. for, like, how things work. And... Like, a lot of people know when I run a game, I'm going to just fuck with shit. Yeah. Um, right. Because I, w- I want the game to feel like how I want it to feel, but I also want to be upfront with people when stuff doesn't work right, etc. You know, make sure that they don't feel cheated. Right. right. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And the last one. Don't give hints. <laughs> if you've presented the players with a problem and they are genuinely stumped, great. That's your job. <laughs> Watch them flounder. Enjoy the puzzled looks. <laughs> I still do this sometimes. You do. Uh, just keep the game moving. If they can't figure out what to do, let them move on to something else. Whatever you do, don't just hand them the answer. Make them earn it. <laughs> uh, I think it depends. This is a situational... <laughs> You've been at the brunt of this. I have many a time. Many a time. Especially the vampire game. Oh, Poor God. Adrian. God, trying to- just trying to balance the personalities in that game was like a nightmare. <laughs> but uh, oh man, I'm not sure this is one of my best ga- gaming. I don't. I don't see, when it says a problem, what comes to mind is like you're trying to solve a mystery and you can't find a clue. Yeah, it could be. But I think what this does applies to apply to is like not knowing who is behind something. It's really this person that they're interacting with all the time, mm-hmm. but they're just not paying attention to really. Right. And so they're like and so they're making assumptions about other people and then going taking the adventure down those routes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't tell them that it's the guy right there. I yeah. mean have that person still do the thing and there are are clues that they could pick up on. But if they don't, it doesn't matter that everything's still moving. Yeah. Right. 
What um, the? I, I think where this would apply to, and I probably didn't intend it when I wrote this, is like moral conundrums. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it, like when you're playing L five R, and it's like, do we do the dishonorable thing, and save or do people? we yeah. do yeah. the disloyal thing? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And th- and in Vampire Two, if you're if you if the traditions are coming into conflict. Yeah. Those kind of things where you give those sort of moral or ethical conundrums. Ooh, or maybe best. not killing a human. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Every time I'm a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, everybody kills people in that. You know, because yeah, I'm reading V5. Now. <laughs> I'm reading V5. And they, they, it, it, one of the things it talks about is when they, when they create their coterie is to come up with sort of like guidelines, like meta guidelines for what the game is going to be like. And one of the sort of sub-suggestions is no killing. Mm-hmm. Which who would that be rough in V five? Yes. Well, you're always <laughs> going to have one one blood die, one hunger die. Yeah. That's the only way you can get rid of the, yeah. that one hunger die is to kill. It's yeah. the Only way. And I think you can only do that at lower blood potencies. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Um, with this one, I think I think you're right. I think there's also some really cool places where you can put it in, not just moral conundrums, but with like character conundrums, mm-hmm. with um like players like. Like player conflicts, things like that. I think the only situation because I love, I love fucking with the players. Like mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite things. And, like having them not know things, and but the one thing I would say that this is is like traps and shit like that in a dungeon. That is no fun. Like it, <laughs> that's like the number one thing that pisses me off. I'm like, one, I'm in a dungeon period. Like okay, fine, I'll be in a dungeon, whatever. It's like oh, there's a door. Oh, right. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like okay, open the door. Open the door and just like, oh man, oh, yeah. oh the trap happens. Bullshit. Like, uh. oh god, nope, that's not the one way you have to solve the fucking door. It's like, oh, please kill me now. Can right. I? Can I? Can I jump off something yeah. in this game? Oh wait, no, it's D and D. I can't jump off things and die. No. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe at first level. Maybe yeah. at first level. <laughs> yeah, I, I think in AD and D, it was like a, it was like a seventh level or a tenth level character uh, could not die falling from any height because of. Uh, we figured that it's yeah. the same in 5th edition. <laughs> fifth edition. I don't remember. You were like 8th level or ninth level? I think we were by then. And my yeah. orc yeah. warrior... We only went up like, to 10th, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. It was like, da And I landed, and I was like... Oh, fell a long yeah. way, like 50 feet. And <laughs> <laughs> like bounced. And no. I was like, oh, man. And we looked it up, and like, oh, oh no. Oh, I've got a scraped knee. I need a Band-Aid, please. Yeah. Band-Aid for yeah, 50-foot fall, yeah, please. Like one like, oh, one little, man, i got to stretch out my back. Yeah. One little minor healing thing, and it's like, oh, whew. Yeah. One thing I want to say about hints is in uh, Seventh Veil, you have a corundum conundrum. Yes. Eh? Oh, that's good. This one. Yeah. Very good. Sorry, I said they're jewels. And- yeah. Oh. That, and now, actually, that's a really good example. I'm glad you brought that. That is one situation where um, I agree also, even though it's not necessarily a dungeon, like that is a mystery game. Like, that is a noir game that's set up for solving these mysteries together. Right. I'm a detective. That's a little bit different. And mm-hmm. I think that is absolutely a situation where you, if you were getting, we, we sometimes get hints, but it's usually through something we've done. Mac doesn't, doesn't like, give them up. Mm-hmm. But that also helps really set the tone for the game, and I think that's appropriate in that game. One of, I think one of the tropes of, like, the uh, hard-boiled slash noir games is... I figured out who it is, and it is completely wrong. Yeah, you know you have that in uh, in Chinatown, mm-hmm. where you go, I know, I know what happened, I know what you did. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. and then it's even more worse than you thought it was. Mm-hmm. And so, if people get the uh, get the solution right away, you don't get those moments. Yeah, 
And even like some of the things, um, like when you're finding things, if there's, you know, the the actual object clues that you find in a mystery game like that, like are just like even though they're they're, they're similar, you, you might think that they're similar to like trying mm-hmm. to open a trap in a dungeon or whatever, figuring out how yeah. to open a door. Those are in a those are a different type of puzzle. And they're when people sit down for that type of game, they are agreeing to, hey, this is a mystery game. We're going to be looking for clues and putting puzzle stuff together. Yeah, and, and that one, it isn't the clue itself. It isn't finding the glasses right. that is the puzzle. The puzzle is, what do the glasses mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you shouldn't have... If they can't find the glasses, <laughs> you can go... <laughs> yeah. You yeah. need to find... You You need to get into the right. pond. Yeah. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, couple things from the chat room. Mm-hmm. Bobcat says, sigh. <laughs> uh, if you can use... if You you can if you use the right falling damage rules. Uh, kill, kill a character. Yeah. I don't think at 50 feet... I think we... Because I remember taking the book. I'm like, this can't be possible. Because you, the amount of damage you took was... <laughs> yeah. Wait. Is, are there rules that specifically like adjust it for... Height? Like... Or, or it yeah. did. I did. Um, mm, mm, the fastest speed you can go while falling. What is that? Uh, uh, critical. Cri- no, no. Uh, terminal velocity. Terminal velocity. Like, because somebody figured no. out what terminal velocity speed is, like how high that is, and worked that out. I think it was AD and D, and worked that out to and, you will survive a number it. of dice. Some yeah. they're, they're, someone did that in an old forum for GURPS once too. Because yeah. GURPS had. <laughs> And said, "Well, there's got to be a max." And someone said, "Well, let me figure it out." Okay, well, at if if you're landing at this, then your terminal velocity because it, 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 mm-hmm. it would change what, depending on your altitude because the de- atmospheric density. Mm-hmm. It's 100 percent possible that we fucked up a lot of rules well, in that game. I, but I remember, remember opening that, yeah, the book and we saying, did. Now, at, "At any height, that's an exaggeration." Yeah. But at 50 feet, I think we figured out how many dice it was. I think oh. it was like a D6 per 10 feet or something. I don't remember what it was. Mm-hmm. But the maximum number we could roll was n- was, n- was not... It was, was yeah. smaller than your hit yes, point, yeah. total hit points. But, yeah. But, again, there's, like, that big debate online. Like, Gygax meant for it to be, like, this Oh, see, Bobcat says that's a geom- it should, it should be a geometric progression. Oh, maybe. So the 10 feet is one die. The next one is two dice. The ne- no. Uh... What? Does he, does he mean... So 50 feet was 15 Geometric D6. progression. He said it would be 15 D6 and 50 feet. I don't know. I would have to go back and look at the rules. It's been years, <coughs> literally years, so to play that game. But that would mean, mean it would double? No. I don't know. Does he mean that it's... One, two, four, no. eight. What know. if you? What if it's like the Fibonacci sequence? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> like the one, golden one, ratio two, of die. Three, oh, it's a, it'd be it'd be one plus two plus three plus four plus five. Oh, got it. Okay. Okay. That might that 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 would have killed you. Oh, it's feet factorial. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you fall five feet and die. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> got it. I got my shit. Okay. All right. I don't know. Well, I have to go back and look at it. And that was that was five e. That wasn't. That, yeah, that was not four e. That was five e. It was five. Yeah. It was in five. Yeah. All right. You know, in in fifth edition L five R, you have to figure out what all of those opportunities mean on your way down. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of them can be like. Sorry, we're such oh, nerds. Like we all laugh, cackling at that joke. Oh, <laughs> sorry! It just hit me all of a sudden. Like, oh man. You can save some for the funeral. Oh, someone tripped at your funeral. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Uh, it it would be summation. Not factorial. Summation, factorial would be yeah. multiplying all those numbers. Yeah. Although, that's why I said fall five feet and die because 
Five factorial is 120. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, everything is in 10 foot increments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. No, 10 factorial. Oh, fuck that. Right. <laughs> I don't have that many dice. Yeah, many. <laughs> um, well, I might. If I get all my, like, community oh, no, dice. It's many. Like. <clears throat> I got a lot of dice. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, Proby Tim has enough. <laughs> he probably could do, like, 20 factorial. Yeah. Probably fill the planet with dice. If he opened up all of his dice bags at once. Dice bags of holding. Um, <laughs> all right. Better than douche bags of holding. Right. <laughs> so that was the article. Should not have said that. Uh. <laughs> so if you have any comments on, on, on 20 year, 21, year, 21 year ago, Stu, well, let's see, that would have been 30, 32 year old Stu. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> God. <laughs> and you would like to write in with an email so I don't have to re- find an old article to read. <laughs> you may do that. I kind of like this, though. <coughs> this and is probably the only article article on that page that is actually worthy of the, maybe. Of the topic. They, they found it. Evidently, you posted it on Douchey DM. I, I may have. Yeah. I, quote, I posted some of that older stuff up there. I actually, like, a lot of the stuff on Dushy DM we posted, like, a number of years ago, too. I'm kind of curious to, like, go back through that oh, yeah. and be like, hey, what did I write? I I'm actually kind of shocked it's still there. I thought I'd deleted that whole Because <laughs> <laughs> no one's posted there in years. No, we haven't. All right. Fascinating. Um, science fiction versus fantasy. Mm-hmm. What was this from? Oh, Relen from Miami. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think my uh, uh, my Ten-factor arithmetic is wrong because mm-hmm. I suck at it. Really bad. But I think it's uh, three million six hundred twenty-eight thousand eight hundred dice you'd have to roll for. <laughs> I had that. I played champions. I have that many in D sixes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Great Worm, for the joke. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which I just stole from you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, science fiction versus fantasy from. Uh, Len in Miami. Who would like to read? Uh, I will read this one. Sweet. All right. Is that one? Okay. Hey, folks. Len from Miami here. I was about 60 episodes behind, but I'm almost caught up. I'm sorry. The jello they serve here at the asylum is delicious. Tastes like remorse. (laughs) (laughs) On to the topic. You have recently had a discussion uh, about the differences between fantasy versus sci-fi games. You covered the... uh, practicalities and the trappings, things like swords versus guns, the limits of communication and travel times, the impact of magic, etc. But you didn't hit on something that I think might be more important than all of that, which is feel. So It seems to me that, for the most part, fantasy games and sci-fi games feel very different. In general, fantasy games typically involve characters that are more empowered, not only in terms of personal power and how much they ass they can kick, but also in terms of their ability to affect the larger world. Fantasy heroes tend to do big fantasy hero shit. They develop fantastical powers. They save kingdoms from dragons. They save whole worlds from evil overlords, etc. Fantasy games tend to have more heroic or mythic feel to them, uh, at least in the Joseph Campbell sense. And for the most, and and <coughs> more to the point, is the people, uh, the feel people seem to expect when you say fantasy. It's right there in the world, in the word. Phantasm? Fanta. Fant to see. Fanta? Do you wanna? Do you wanna? Fanta? No, in fantasy, like, of, like, like, phantasm, like, as something that is not real. Yeah. 
I don't think that's what he means. See, when you say phantasm, <laughs> the only thing I can think of is a sci-fi movie. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing with the ball, right? With all the little spikes on it. Wasn't that it? The no, that's a horror film. movie. Yeah. Yeah, phantasm. Wasn't it called phantasm? It might be. Yeah. I think it was. All right, sci-fi again. Oh, and there's the, also the Batman movie that I can think of that too. Mask of the Phantasm, the animated. Never mind. Um, sci-fi games, on the other hand, typically don't feel like that. Sci-fi games tend to be about survival, about carving out a niche for yourself in an impersonal world that doesn't give a rat's ass about you, a world that will go on just fine whether you live or die. Whether it's Traveler, The Expanse, Cyberpunk, any flavor, including the magic-filled Shadowrun, traditional sci-fi tends to feel less heroic and more realistic, at least in terms of how powerful the PCs are and, more importantly, how impactful they are in the larger world. In a word, grittiness. In general, sci-fi games seem to feel gritty in a way that fantasy games just don't. Which makes sense, because uh, to play fantasy at all, you kind of have to ignore or hand-wave a whole lot of awful stuff that boils down to, let's all be thankful we're alive now and not back then. (laughs) To be clear, this isn't universal. You can have very heroic sci-fi, like Star Wars, and to some extent, Star Trek. Uh, Can I just say, Star Wars is not science fiction, it is space fantasy. (laughs) I wouldn't even put the word science in Star Wars. (laughs) Yeah, no, you can't. (laughs) Because there are space wizards. And you can have gritty, impersonal fantasy like Dark Sun, Warhammer, and maybe Old L5R. But these examples are exceptions. In fact, the fact that these settings deviate from the norm is part of what makes them interesting. When someone wants to play Star Wars, they want a heroic, fantastical sci-fi. So Basic Traveler or even the Expanse RPG will be a lousy substitute. It is a very specific thing, and it's more about feel than about trappings or technology. So, circling back to the original question... What feel do you folks prefer? <coughs> Heroic or gritty? Uh, now which setting? Sci-fi or fantasy? And why? As a teacher, I respect you asking us to explain our answers. Um, <laughs> and show your work. Yeah, and show our work. <laughs> I will take... Good job. <laughs> yeah, yeah Tappy's got his math right there. Uh, I'll take my answers offline. Thanks, Len from Miami. P.S. For Stork, I think that this is part of what is so wonderful about superhero RPGs. Those games are usually set in the modern world, which we can't help but think of as more gritty than heroic, because we actually live here. But they tend to have a fantastical and heroic feel. That's a good point. Hmm. Hmm. See, I, I've, I've run a lot of... I don't know if I agree with this. Mm. Because, and, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. A lot of my games start out, whether they're fantasy or science fiction, mm-hmm. as the, the player characters being insignificant and then becoming insignificant by the end of the... Becoming uh, significant. Uh, becoming significant mm-hmm. by the end of the game, right? Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. I think, a fairly common arc. Yeah. Now you, and, and a first-level D&D character is not significant. Mm-hmm. You're... Fuck, you got eight hit points. You could get killed by rats. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's unlikely. Mm-hmm. You could get killed by falling 50 feet. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. So many dice. <laughs> 15d6. <laughs> right. But to me, that, that, that arc from insignificance to significance is, a, at least for me, and I think for a lot of games, a very common thread mm-hmm. for a campaign, Whether regardless of the, of the genre. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, that, the Exodus game is that. Mm-hmm. It started out, you guys are working for this NGO, and 
you're like, well, we don't really know what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And wow, we're kind of really in over our heads a lot here. And <laughs> and now we're thieves. And then and then you steal <laughs> then you steal this fantastic ship that it just miraculously has all of these characteristics that I'm sure it will be fine. <laughs> right. It will be fine. And sometimes no one finds you. <laughs> someone says, "Hey, wait a minute! I recognize that boat." Yeah. That was my traveler game. Mm-hmm. When I had them on, I had it set like on like an actual like gas giant where there are airships and stuff, and I had all the physics stuff so that it kind of like fit within the traveler world rather than magic. But like, I wanted the player characters just have a small like trading ship and do Firefly like adventures, mm-hmm. and then <clears throat> like through the course of it, suddenly they're like. There's like a swerve to wait a second. This one like faction is doing something that's really fucked up, which was very true. And then they ended up embroiling them, creating actually a like war between two different factions, which embroiled the entire like uh, planet in this huge war that they were the ones that ended and mm-hmm. like set about like this kind of like new era of less fucked up shit happening, mm-hmm. like. They they were the most impactful you could possibly be, except for maybe killing everybody. That's probably more impactful. Right. But they impacted literally everybody in that like this game world's life wow. by their actions in this game. Mm-hmm. When I just I wanted them to be like you know, oh man, how are we going to fuel the plane <laughs> or fuel right. our, our airship? airship. Yeah. I mean that's sort of the intention of a traveler game. If you look at the rules that are there, the rules for trading and your ship shares and your 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 ship payment schedules and mm-hmm. things like that. That Traveler is kind of a hand to mouth game. Yeah. Yes. At least that's that's the rule set is there to support that. So. Yeah, I mean, we've said a million times that the people who wrote Firefly must have played Traveler at oh, some yeah. point yeah. in their lives. Um, but if you use the Cyanics Handbook, a <laughs> lot of that changes. Oh sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. A lot of that changes, and it gets real fantasy real fast. And I think what he's, he's talking here in heroic or gritty, I don't think, so, think those are the words we should be using. I think we should be using high or low. Because mm. fantasy, we talk a lot about high fantasy and low fantasy. Mm-hmm. Right. Low fantasy is that kind of gritty stuff. And there's, there's a lot of low fantasy stuff. I mean, uh, I would say that uh, uh, Game of Thrones at least starts out as very low fantasy, mm-hmm. where there's like no magic or they've heard of magic or something. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and even when it gets to the point where like bad shit is happening, they got like dragons and shit, but they're still not casting wish or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. But with sci-fi, high sci-fi is much more difficult to find. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at something like uh, Eclipse de- de- Phase... De- fi- okay, yeah. Give me some examples of what yeah. you consider high sci- sci- well, like yeah, like, sci-fi. Uh, Eclipse phase is like transhumanist stuff where you have all these different like sleeves you can put yourself into. Like oh, okay. uh, sickness is gone, like that whole thing of okay. of uh, you know, like people don't die of old age, and you can you can like cast your consciousness like out to Jupiter in order into a different body over there to do stuff. Mm-hmm. Like there is the stuff you can do is very similar to magic. Um, we just like sci-fi typically doesn't go that far. I mean, if you look at like some of the Star Trek novels that were written after <laughs> like recently, where it's like temporal shit. Right. I mean, that's fucking magic. They are doing magic. Oh yeah. Well, the thing is, it's well, it's like the new Discovery because they have that crazy ass drive where the ship kind of twists. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but 
I mean, if you look at like, I know I said it's not science fiction, but Star Wars. If you look at the, mm-hmm. the Star Wars movies, that goes from a little kid, a little whiny piece of shit, <laughs> whining about wanting to go to Tashi Station mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and being a farmhand and fixing robots for a living, to toppling an empire. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Firefly. Mm-hmm. Hand-to-mouth ship, barely able to, to keep fuel in the tanks. Embarrass the the, the, yeah. the Senate and and let yeah. the world know about this yeah. horrible Toppling horrible thing Empire that happens. Was, was that the was that the That's intention the though? Well, yeah. Eventually, eventually, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. Eventually it was. Yeah. It was accelerated because they got canceled. Yeah, that's true. They got 13 episodes or whatever it was, and then the movie. And the movie. I forgot about that. But, movie. I mean, I'm sure that that was the arc he had planned. He yeah. probably had it planned for five years yeah. or so. Yeah. But that's a real common thing is, is to start low and, and end high. Well, it's like the traditional hero's journey. Like, if you look at mythology and pretty much tons of uh, legends from all over the world, that's 100% what it is. Like the Joseph Campbell thing that he wrote yeah. about. Yeah. But I think he, he says that fantasy games are like the hero's journey. And I think what we're saying is that we see that in sci-fi as well. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and the whole, like, uh, a fantasy hero oftentimes, you know, can't die if they fall off anything. Or, like, if you're talking about Exalted, where you can walk between the raindrops. Mm-hmm. Right. That is much more common in fantasy settings. Mm-hmm. And I agree, that kind of high fantasy um, where that you was can awesome. dodge literally everything including a concept right <laughs> <laughs> you can dodge ideas because they're you can dodge you can dodge anything right well we know that from reading emails yeah. but <laughs> right um, so even I, like, I agree even that I, Star Trek Star Trek Enterprise it started out we're on a ship we don't know what we're doing we're fucking up a lot the ship's mm-hmm. fucking up a lot and it ends with Founding the Federation, yeah. right? Or, and, and <laughs> you know, it, all right. It it, it 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 seems to me that's that's a, a very typical thing. I don't know the field is going to change in most games. I think I don't mm. think they're going to. It's going to stay. I don't think. You're, I mean, you you can have a fantasy game that that starts out low and stays low, mm-hmm. and that that's fine. That's hard to do, I think, in RPGs because of mo- like almost every RPG has some sort of leveling system. So as you progress, the, po- the the players get more powerful. You have to give them a little bit different challenges to make things still be challenges. I mean, you can sit down and pl- specifically plan a game that doesn't have power creep, but that's going to be hard to do. That's going to be like I've agree like I've well, done that with some games where you're like, okay, we're not going to progress the characters. We're going to stay at what we start as. I think, like that. I think that's very specific to D&D, though. I think other games, you don't have that kind of movement up. I mean, you get better at your skills, etc., mm-hmm. but you're not necessarily... See, but you get, you get XP, and you spend it on stuff and get better at it. Yeah. Yeah. The only game I can think of that, that, has, that has, is close to a flat character progression mm-hmm. is Traveler, which is you have to sit and study for a thousand hours... Or whatever it is, or 500 hours to you, get your one character point. You but know if what you mean? played that game for a really long campaign, like if you played that a same, the same campaign of Traveler for two years, like your character could progress a shit ton oh, yeah. in that time. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, it's not going to be as fast as you're right. D&D is like a little bit of a fast track. But also like That's built Traveler, baked into the story of mm-hmm. D&D, too. Like getting some sort of like giant ship that could kick ass mm-hmm. would, oh, right. would be the thing that you would do, not your character getting better. Oh, yeah, I mean, equipment is kind of character 
yeah. yeah. character advancement in, in that in that um, in that sense. But like so I think that's I mean, there are certain games like Shadowrun, and it's also said here, like Shadowrun part of the genre, part of the idea is that you you can't change the world because mm. of there's so much money and so much power, mm-hmm. and you are trying to not <coughs> bow down to the man, right? And that's mm-hmm. why you're a Shadowrun. That's why you don't have a system identification identification number, mm-hmm. and you are going to fuck the man as much as you can until you die, which right. could be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a game where you are not going to change the world. Mm-hmm. You're just not. It's it is part of the cyberpunk genre. Um, and I think that's fine. Yeah. Um, but you, but you, no matter how much you get better, you, I mean, you just can't take on a mega corporation, let alone ten. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, yes, you will not save the world in that. But I think you can still have a major progression and a major storyline where you, you know, lure, and I haven't played Shadowrun a ton. I've only done a couple one shots of it, where you can like make a huge impact on the area you live in. Well, you can and things like that, which can be just as heroic and just as much of a growth arc. If you're like, hey, you're starting from no, like nothing. Hey, I own, you know, this one beat up little shack that I work at. And that, uh, I mean, all all games you should make an impact. Otherwise, it doesn't feel useful. Doesn't right, feel like but, you're doing anything. but but we were comparing like episodic, like yeah, there's small, like like we're talking about um, Firefly. Like, yeah, they save people, but it's not... And eventually it was going to be this big arc where they save, fight Vegas. But there's also... It's like, hey, they go and they save this one little town, and then they move on to the next thing, and right. the <coughs> next group, no, nobody knows who they are. Right. So it's a, it's a little bit more... It's more like um, a Monster of the Week type thing, almost, where you've got, like... Um, uh, X-Files or something like that, where it's like, yeah, they're making impacts, but it's not overall changing their lives. They're not becoming heroes that are renowned everywhere. Like, they still go back to their crummy apartments at the end of the day. Stuff like that. I think those are two very different types of things, and at least that was what I was understanding we were kind of comparing. What what I thought we were talking about, and this may have gotten away from me, <laughs> um, is that in general, role-playing games will get up to the point where you are doing huge world-bending, world-changing things. Yes. And I don't think that's uh, no, true. I, no, I, I don't either. I don't either. I'm just saying that, that I think that, that there are copious examples in both science fiction and fantasy where that happens. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 don't, I, I don't know if, if the feel that level of grandeur, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, is necessarily a defining difference between science fiction and fantasy. Because, I, I mean, a lot of fantasy games start low and, and end high. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I, I can think of a lot of science fiction that does the same. Mm-hmm. I so, agree. But so, I, I don't know. I think, there, I think there is a different feel, but I'm not sure that that is why. Like, I think, I think that, that um, Len is correct. Like, there is a different feel to it. But I don't, necess- I, I don't necessarily agree that it's because of that. I don't know. Well, if there wasn't a different feel to it, we wouldn't be like, Star Wars is not sci-fi. Right. It's fucking fantasy. Right, I know. Well, like, yeah. And be very not... serious about this delineation. Yeah. Well, you should at least nod to science if it's going to be science fiction. Yeah. Or science fantasy. Yeah. As opposed That's to why run, I call it run space out of gas fantasy. and like, slow down in space. Right. <laughs> bank. Nice bank turns. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's one thing I loved. What was it that did that right? I don't know. Was it Babylon 5? Babylon Five? No, no, they did. They did fighter planes. Did they fighter plane turns? I don't remember. 
Didn't they have the ships? No, uh, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, yeah. Battlestar, Battlestar did, did a lot of stuff well yeah. as far as. But there, but there's a there's a there's a sci- another example of a science fiction show that starts low and ends lower. <laughs> Spoilers. That's, that's so good. <laughs> it yeah, is. it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, I, I think that that I think that that progression from low to high or low to low or low to lower. I think the low to lower, low to lower is the exception to the rule, yeah. generally oh, yeah. speaking, in most genres. It's interesting, too, because... Except maybe, except maybe cyberpunk. Yeah. Battlestar is an interesting example, too, because there are very much fantasy elements in that, as well as very sci-fi Oh, elements. absolutely, yeah. Like, there are things, I'm not going to say what they are, because it's fantastic, and if you haven't watched it, fucking watch the show, um, that are not explained. They are meant to be, this was other beings or like right. it's like this outside of science thing that happens and it ne- you know and it's it's weird and it stands out so much more because so much of it is like oh yeah these are gritty you know pilots trying to like patch together these vipers that are like super old just so they can survive and like so much of it is traditional sci-fi but then there, there is sort of like a prophetic supernatural element yeah that it. ends up coming into it and you're like huh and okay. it's cool too. it still fucking works I don't know how but it's crazy it's not like space wizards though all right thank you thank you for the email Len Uh, writer Lucas in the chat room says one day Star Wars will be sci-fi but how (laughs) I don't know well I mean also there's another good example because the the numbered movies Mm -hmm. that's always a progression from low to high right Mm -hmm. well and it's interesting because we all talk about um, what is a really bad one with the kid sorry uh, episode one, yeah, episode one, Phantom Menace, Phantom Menace, that one. Um, well, yeah, those are all bad, but specifically the one because they in that episode, the one we all get like get so annoyed about. They tried to be more sci-fi. They like gave a an explanation for an the force, explanation of right. a, a scientific explanation for having the force. They were stupid. They, it was, it was <laughs> I mean, stupid. All you need is antibiotics, and there's no Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> but. But, I mean, and I think that's a good example of how everyone rejected that utterly because it's not, like, it's not something we expect in sci-fi. Where if, like, in Star Trek or something else that is more traditionally sci-fi, someone's like, oh, they're able to levitate things. Oh, it's because of this special thing in their blood. We're like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. They have some bullshit explanation for why that works. Yeah. One thing I do want to say about Star Wars before we go (laughs) is that everybody talks about, you know, Oh, like, Luke goes from low to high. He's, like, just a farm boy, and then he turns into a Jedi. And I kind of feel like if this was a role-playing game, Mm -hmm. you have Ben Kenobi, who's fucking badass. Right. Right? You have Han Solo, who's fucking incredible pilot. Right. You have Chewie, who can tear everybody's Tear people's arms off, right. And I think that uh, Luke is right up there with them. Mm -hmm. Like, he's a badass pilot who shoots a bunch of fucking shit down the first time he's ever in one of these fucking things. Oh, yeah. And also, he does shoot, like, a missile that makes a 90-degree turn. Yeah. Or two missiles that make a 90-degree turn. Yes. Right? And so, throughout, like... Even though he is like, oh, my, 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 He does, from a role-playing, like... Uh, mechanical perspective, he's kicking ass. Yeah, he's got like, the advantage savant pilot like, or yeah, something. Just right. as much ass as everybody else kicks. Mm-hmm. So I I don't necessarily think he's coming from that low of a place. He just has a player playing him like a dipshit. Yeah, but he ends, yeah. up, he ends up so at a much why? higher place yes, once but, he can do all the, the other 
crazy force shit. Yeah. Don't they explain away the fact that he can do that? The fact that he's a he's a force sensitive. That that's why he's such a good pilot. Right, but that's, that's the thing you'd have to know. buy for your character. Right, yeah. right. So you'd have to. There, there's a ton of stuff you'd have to have on your character sheet in order to be able to have a character like Luke because he's actually a badass. Remember how so fu- like I had a force character in Edge of the Empire. It was fucking expensive as fuck. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh. No, I don't know anything about it because yeah. I can't afford any of that fucking talent tree. <laughs> <laughs> I can move a pebble. Yeah. Oh, man. And bullshit. It's crazy. I was like, I can be that and nothing else. Right. No, I'll be yeah. like, uh. <laughs> you can be that, but you're also a worm in a jar. Yeah, pretty much. It was crazy. All right. Uh, gaming in existing IP from Eric in New Jersey. Now, I'm still not convinced that we haven't heard of this. We might have. Oh, almighty dishes of yore, I feel like. Oh, we had more Star Wars. Yeah. I feel I like this might have been read. I don't know. Start mm-hmm. reading and I'll see. Ah. Uh, it is all. Hello, Sue. And the almighty douches of yore. It is I, Eric, from New Jersey, with the need to discuss <laughs> something. In this case, I'd like to discuss using established intellectual properties as a campaign. Didn't we do this? I feel like That's I'm wondering if we did. Yeah, I think we did. See, I did a search and I couldn't find it. I think it. this might be the one that actually, maybe... Maybe, is it a reply to it, maybe? No, it was New Jersey. Let me, let me do... Okay. I'm going to do a quick Google Doc search. Okay. Because I do remember discussing this in particular. Mm-hmm. Right. Very specifically. Uh, because... My opinion was, fuck everything they've done. I want my characters. <laughs> I want to use this world and make so. it my bitch. Yeah, I think a lot of people. You guys are like, why would you play in the world? <laughs> yes. I just put in. That qu- is the Dresden Files. Discussion. I put in a quoted text string, and the only document that comes up is this one. Weird. I don't mm-hmm. know. Let's go ahead and, and power through it. Okay. All right. <laughs> That'll be fun to see if we have two different c- conclusions sure. based yeah. on how much we had to drink tonight well, versus the other. Won't, I be the, won't be the first time. <laughs> I haven't had anything. Yeah. <laughs> I have an empty can of AW root beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need a drink. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> many times I've heard or read comments to the effect of why would I want to do things in a world where the major stuff has already been done? To this I reply, hogwash! <laughs> You have you just have to set up some expectations in your session zero and or be imaginative in your campaign creation. Let's take let's use Star Wars as an example, since I've been running Star Wars games on and off since nineteen eighty seven. First, and this has been suggested by you, the Happy Jacks hosts, is that from the moment in the timeline you start the campaign, cannon is out the window. If you start your game between Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, if your PC somehow killed Darth Vader, then Darth Vader is dead. Empire Strike Backs happens very differently at that point, or maybe someone steps up to take Vader's place. Who knows? Characters and situations cannot be protected in this case. While this may cause certain things to never happen, it leads to an exciting timeline where the PCs are the main focus. The other way is that they don't have to interact with the characters in the movie at all. Man, I remember this. (laughs) Using Star Wars as an example again, the galaxy is big. The Star Wars universe isn't just the characters involved, but also about fighter planes having dogfights. Mm-hmm. It isn't breaking up the enemy installations, breaking out of the same installation, and then blowing up said installation. Luke Skywalker blew up a Death, Death Star with his space wizard abilities. Ooh. I don't think we read this. Maybe your players have to team up with their enemies to fight off an alien invasion on the other side of the galaxy. <coughs> too bad everyone else is too busy fighting each other to deal with that hot mess. 
Granted, I took a lot of inspiration from the D6 Star Wars modules, which were amazing <laughs> at keeping the Star Wars flavor and then expanding on them to make a campaign. In other words, your PCs have more important things to do than blowing up some Imperial space station. Finally, you could do something completely out of left field, which would feel less like the intellectual property, but still be fun. We had a campaign called The Stars Are Right Wars, which was the Cthulhu mythos in the Star Wars universe. Oh, cool. Ooh. That's fun. Hilarity was had by all, and the undead Wookiees are freaking scary. Oh. Look, all I'm saying is it can be done and done well with a little imagination. Be it Star Wars, Harry Potter, whatever established license floats your boats. I would also argue that an established world is also easier for new players if they are familiar with the world in question because they know the tropes already. Anyway, I hope this provides some food for thought. May your glasses always be full and the dice roll in your favor. Thank you. Well, I, the, I think why this seems familiar is we did have an email about existing IPs, yeah. and I mentioned the fact that when I ran the, the FFG Traveler ga- or Star Wars game, mm-hmm. um, that I, I, I set it in a period of time when there really wasn't a lot of canon, mm-hmm. which was after yeah. um, episode six. Yeah. And because it's like, okay, you know that the Empire is going to fall. And I'm, my assumption was this is going to take a while because mm-hmm. it's big. Yeah, it's massive. So you can have stories about what's going on there with, you know, these different moths and grand moths, you know, jockeying for position and trying to... Trying to hide the fact the Emperor had died. Right. Yeah. Or, or, or create their own fiefdoms yes. or whatever mm-hmm. it is they want to do. So, I mean, and that could be a really interesting... That's a really interesting place to have a story. Just mm-hmm. have a good system to run it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely think I would have remen- remembered undead Wookiees. Like, I feel like right. that's something mm, yeah. that's no, I don't very think so. Must have been very similar. I think so. Yeah, yeah. well, I, 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 it, it, he, he sent it in August 28. Yeah. Which isn't that long ago. Yeah. And I, I, I did two or three, I, I like grabbed a piece of text, put it in quotes, and did a, a Google Doc mm-hmm. search, and it, I've done it in the past, and, and it was, oh, no, I, I forgot to mark this email mm-hmm. as, as read on it. Yeah. So. I agree. Like, oh, go ahead. Uh, I especially when you're talking about it, it's really easy for people to jump in the uh, IPs they're familiar with. That's one of the reason that I've run a lot of con games that are based on different IPs. Um, I've done. I did a Harry Potter game where I tweaked um, wild talents to do um, Harry Potter spells. Um, I've done uh, a bunch on video games. Uh, have you done Friendship like is Madness? I have not done that one. No, but I, la- yeah, I should. Wait, what? Yeah, well, the Laser Ponies game, and there's a there was a Laser Ponies meme for a while that was like a Cthulhu head on a My Little Pony. Friendship is madness. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> into it. I'm into it. Run that. Yes, into it. <laughs> Do it. Um, and I did the Skyrim one, and all these different things. And it is so easy for people to jump in. Oh, and I did. A, I've done a Star Wars one, right. uh, and Wild Talents too, actually, where people were droids, um, and. Uh, it's super easy for people to jump in on that and know the world. And once they get their bearings, it's seamless. And it's especially for one shots and especially for con one shots. And you don't always know who's going to be at your table. Picking popular IPs like that is kind of a shortcut to really getting everyone involved in moving things. Yeah. Along. Everyone knows what it feels like and, and how they're going to act in it. And they yeah. know a lot about the world. Yeah. I think the, the, um, for, for me, I'm, I, I'm not really a stickler about Canon, but I'm not, I'm not comfortable fucking with Canon. Mm hmm. You know what I mean? Because one of the things that makes Star... I know you are. But one of the things that makes Star Wars Star Wars is that there's like these movies that told these stories and we all like them and you fuck with them too much, you're going to piss people off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Whereas if you just find some place or find a time 
that mm-hmm. isn't fit that doesn't fit now it's hard in Star Wars I mean if you got someone who's like really hardcore and has read all those freaking novels there may not be a second of Star Wars galaxy history that hasn't been covered yeah, somewhere but if you're just going by the movies there's lots of dead spaces in there that you could you could go in and tell an interesting story and it can be a galaxy changing story too yeah <clears throat> my my one shot that I did of Star Wars was um uh, when they were getting the Death Star plans, and you, all you, you, at the time there wasn't another, another movie to explain it. it, was like many Bothans died to bring us this information. Right. Well, the players were all the droids on the ship, and all the Bothans died, <laughs> and they were the droids because they'd used like a poison to kill everybody on the ship, and the droids were like, "Oh fuck! Well, we're here now." And well, let's start throwing the buffins off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, but then the so the droids yeah. then had to decide like were they going to continue the mission? Were they going to do the stuff? So then they eventually did, and they got the the Death Star plans to the the rebellion. The second Death Star. Yeah. The buffins died for the second. The second Death Star yeah. Plans. I, okay. Look, sorry, this is my right. second Death Star. <laughs> I looked all that stuff up cannon. before the game. I totally knew. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I, it's only because I made that same mistake and I got corrected on it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because that's it. That's in. Uh, oh, Jedi, or I don't remember which one. It is. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I love using like established worlds. I also just like making them own my own, just yeah. like I like to do with role playing game systems. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody has said like don't use IPs. Don't yeah. use no, like, no, 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 IPs. No. But like, I think I think a lot of people have opinions on what's the right or wrong way, right. To, to, to do it, but and it's different for everyone. Mm-hmm. Like for for me, I have suddenly really gotten into uh, the new Star Trek game because the Dune game is supposed to be coming out then this year, and it's mm-hmm. the D twenty system. So I'm like just pouring over it, and now I got all these Star Trek ideas in my head. Now, do you, no, sorry to interrupt. Do you know what the scope of the Dune game is? Is it still Arrakis? Uh, it's the first book, actually. Mm. Yes, I think that is the scope of the Dune game. Dune game is the first book. Oh, it is okay. Um, See, that I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't play. That. I that love the first told, book. Right? Oh man, <laughs> that's the best. I but like anyway. the first Dune, but but that story's been told. Um, <laughs> but see, it's it's all the information from it, mm-hmm. right? Right. Like in the game that I would play, uh, um, uh, Jessica had a daughter, like she was supposed to, instead of a son. There's mm-hmm. no Paul Atreides. Mm-hmm. Cool. Right. Go. All right. the Fremen are still there. Everybody's still there, but you know. And now you have to do something. You do like multiverse stuff, um, like alternate universe. Yeah. So, That's so cool. this is the world that we're playing in now. Yeah. Um, and like that means that Baron Harkonnen is going to come in and and fuck everyone's heart hole. Right? Unless the players stop it, <laughs> right? And that's why the players have have to do shit, mm-hmm. right? You know, <clears throat> to stop Baron Harkonnen from fucking everybody's heart because <laughs> he will, and the Beast Raban will eat them afterwards, right? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so like, do you, you don't remember Dune? I've never read it or seen it. <gasps> they had heart plugs. He instead oh, yeah. all of it, not I don't all of them, but uh, m- most of the, the Harkonnen's household mm-hmm. had heart plugs installed. That basically is almost like a they like fuse the heart muscle to the surface of your chest, and there's a plug there. And if he wants to kill you, he just pulls it. Oh, he pulls. He pulls the literal plug. He pulls the plug, and <laughs> all your blood pumps out of the heart hole. Oh. Mm-hmm. And he, he never actually screws anyone on the heart hole in it. But I was. <laughs> he's so gross. Yeah. He is so gross. I always figured he probably did. Yeah. <laughs> Charming. 
<laughs> so yeah. I mean, oh, he's a piece of work. But, but yeah. that's I think that's a great example of what I would do with the IP because you know who the Fremen are, mm-hmm. right? right? You yeah. know, you know st- who Stilgar is. Stilgar's still alive. Right. Money's still alive. Everybody is still doing stuff. You can interact with all these characters. Mm-hmm. Right. Just it is in a completely different way than like oh there's Paul and we're gonna hang out with him. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, or like with the the Star Trek thing I was talking about mm-hmm. was when do you have once you start getting to the end of DS9 and Voyager they're doing literal magic oh, yeah. it, it gets worse from there so I don't want to do stuff after stuff they've <clears throat> done in the TV shows but I don't want to go even further back like where you know okay well we're doing the Wright Brothers now Star Trek <laughs> right um <laughs> So it's like, okay, well, I want something like maybe at the time of the Dominion Wars, but not the Dominion Wars, because that is very specifically based on DS9, because of the Bajoran Wormhorn and all of that. And because that is so very specific to that, I'll just change it Uh a little. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe when they went in to like barter with the whoever it was to keep the wormhole open, they said no. And the wormhole's closed forever. Mm. Cool. Now we move on. Now you have a world where there's at least technology that makes some sense, um, and all these factions that are happening, you can create some sort of bullshit uh, in that world. Nice. But you still have all the same ships. You still have, still have all the same characters. Jean-Luc Picard is still going around yeah. and doing this shit. Well, that, so that's I mean, that, gives you a world to play in that you already know. Yeah. The franchise I like kind, that. I mean, kind I of. I have no problems with the stuff like that. Like the I franchise kind of did that, but they they rewound. Right. Enterprise, mm-hmm. which I think is the best series. Mm-hmm. It's, have you seen it? Oh, yeah. And Voyager, too, they had like time time travel stuff. Well, in they, had, they always had time travel. We just got to go around the sun fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's Superman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it had one of the greatest punk songs ever in that song. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I like that. I, I like the, the alternate universe stuff. I, I could get into that. That's very cool. See, but like we remember when he we, when there was a point when you were talking about running a Dresden Files game, and I my hackles and I know your hackles both got up and we're, we're like, like <laughs> that is not I don't know. <laughs> not Dresden Files. <laughs> it's like, happened. Bullshit. <laughs> like, yeah. Everybody's dead. Just <laughs> like take a deep breath and kind of sit up a little straighter. Maybe Tappy should consider <laughs> doing something else. Don't have anyone not who likes that. the books in that game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it turns out I did. So. Yeah. Right. I did a different game. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that has made all the difference. Right. Yes. I, I have a question. Yes. Uh, Call of Cthulhu, sci-fi or fantasy? What is it? Mm-hmm. Fucked up. It, it's horror. Right, but yeah. I mean, like, like if you had to pick one of those for it, because it's got elements of both, I don't know. I, just I don't think it's... I don't think it's... It's neither? I don't okay. think it's either. It's its own genre. It's a horror game. I mean... I mean, it, it it has a science fiction element because the 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 elder gods are all supposedly aliens, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's it's certainly not science fiction. But they certainly do stuff that is kind of like magic. Sure, yeah. Right? I mean, you can cast spells and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just terribly, terribly costly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's. I, I don't think it fits in either. <laughs> I mean, I, if I had, to, if if you put a gun to my head and says you have to pick one, I would say science fiction. Okay, only because of the alien. Mm-hmm. The alien thing, and you know, sufficiently advanced technology—that horse shit. Mm-hmm. It's just scientific magic, right. because if they're aliens, I mean, there's science that we don't know about that can exactly. do all this sort of yeah. stuff, and it just—they yeah. can fold space. <laughs> um, 
holding space is dope. Um, <laughs> I, I, well, uh, Bill, Bill in the chat room is asking, why would I? Cthulhu be sci-fi? Because the aliens are the, the, the all the elder gods are supposed to be aliens. They're all from yeah. other planets. That's right. And there's the Yith, with the Yithians who mm-hmm. live on like the Yithians. Yep, 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 yep. Who am I thinking of? The ones that are the the, the fungus that live in Pluto. That is beyond my knowledge. I'm sorry. They, and that's like an alien... Plutocracy? hey uh, there And there are alien species that also lives in, like, underground... They live in, like, underground oil well mines and shit. Yeah, you get a high five for that. That was, that was nice. Migo. It's the Migo, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. But, I mean... It, that would be a great name for social meteors. Instead of MeWe. Migo. Migo. You go, Migo. <laughs> All right. I'm going to call right. it. Okay. All right. Is this the right one? It is. Oh, happy Jack. Thank you for joining us for season 25, episode 9. 9? 9? 9? Of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Kimmy. This is Happy. And uh, we'll see you next week, 7 p.m. Pacific, 7 12 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, Happyjacks.org slash live. And uh, that's it. Yeah. Oh, we got a con coming up in February, but that's a ways away still. Long ways away. And uh, so we'll see you then, and thank you very much. Yeah. And I'll leave you the song.
Angry Folk Media Empire. Why problem make when you no know problem have you don't want to make? 